This is the Fog Pod, an extension of the Fog Horn. This is the Fog Pod, where we're reporting on the reporting of the Fog Horn. We're reporting on the reporting of the Fog Horn. This is the Fog Pod, where we're reporting on the reporting of the Fog Horn. From the San Francisco Foghorn, this is the Fog Pod, the Foghorn's official weekly podcast. I'm Ethan Tan, the current copy editor and news writer for the Foghorn. This week, we're here with Jeff Hamrick, the Vice Provost for Institutional Budget and Planning and Analytics. Welcome to the Fog Pod, Jeff. Thank you. Good to be here, Ethan. So, Jeff, can you introduce yourself and explain your role here at USF? Uh, so, I'm a uh, professor of data science. I teach in the Master of Science and Data Science program that's offered at our downtown campus. Uh, because I'm an administrator now, I, I only get to teach usually one course a year, and uh, most of my time is spent serving as vice provost for institutional budget planning and analytics. I uh, manage our Office of Institutional Research, our Office of Planning and Budget, our Office of uh, Institutional Analytics, and I also work with our distributed campus organization uh, throughout the state of California. here this week to talk about the 4.4% increase to tuition and the subsequent increase to the cost of education, as was outlined in President Father Fitzgerald's email on Tuesday, March 26th to the USF community. Why the increase, Jeff? There's three things that we can talk about here. There's um, tuition, mm-hmm. there's cost of education, and there's cost of attendance. And those okay. are three different things in the industry parlance. So um, cost of education is going to include an estimate for uh, room, board, and fees. So that is estimated to go up 4.4% next year. Tuition is actually going up for undergraduates, traditional Hilltop undergraduates, by 4.6%. But because the, the um, board rates are only going up 2.5%, as you probably know, Ethan, it, it's commonplace in higher education, uh, particularly private higher education, for uh, institutions to increase their uh, rates of tuition across most programs every year. And uh, that, that, there are a number of reasons for that, but uh, among the most important reasons is that that is the primary mechanism by which we are able to uh, pay our employees uh, higher salaries and uh, to increase uh, the amount of money in our financial aid budget, which is what we use to retain our continuing students and to bring in that next class of uh, matriculating uh, first-year students and, and transfer students. What are the ways to, I guess, combat that? Is that more financial aid given to students to combat that? Absolutely. So when you look at the dominant drivers of next year's uh, expense budget increases at the university, there are just two categories. Employee compensation across all our various groups, I've already mentioned that one, and the increases we're making to our financial aid budget. So we are making a $25 million augmentation as we step from fiscal 19 to fiscal 20, um, increase in our unfunded financial aid budget. Um, that's overwhelmingly dominated by financial aid for, for undergraduate students, uh, less so for graduate students. Um, and that, that budget is going up 20%. So we are outsizedly taking our gross tuition increase and parking it in financial aid. Now, it is the case that um, that will disproportionately go to the incoming uh, first year and transfer students next year. Because, and this is also common in private higher ed, you tend to lead. Uh, with your best financial aid package offer for, mm-hmm. that, for that first year. So w- the university uh, is stuck in kind of a position where it's an economic actor in a much wider world, 
and um, it can't by itself um, determine the United States' tax policies or tackle the global problem of wealth inequity, which I think is very strongly tied to the fact that real wages haven't gone up more robustly over, over time for middle class and uh, lower class families. And, and that's a problem that we are all stuck with contemplating and thinking of, of solutions for. Can students, can current undergraduate students and graduate students here expect to see an increase in their financial packages currently? So, so USF does what is pretty typical at most institutions of private higher ed, which is you know, we lead uh, in a student's uh, first year on campus with our very best financial aid offer that we can. And then our practice, which is pretty typical, again, is to generally keep the dollar value of that aid package constant through time, even mm-hmm. as the student is experiencing uh, tuition increases. So uh, it, it is the case that the that expanded financial aid budget is primarily going to benefit uh, incoming first-year and transfer students. But as, as I think I pointed out, um, everyone was an incoming first-year or transfer student at some point in time and benefited from that dynamic. So I guess just, just to make this clear for our listeners, so even though there's going to be this increase in the financial aid budget, we as the current students here won't necessarily see that, but we've all experienced the benefit of that at one point when we got our initial financial aid packages to come here to USF. That's exactly, a, that's a great way to put it. I guess the next upcoming fiscal years, do we, can we expect to see another increase or minimal increases over the next couple of years? Well, it depends on how you think about that 4.6% tuition increase. Uh, I view it, here's an argument as to why that should be viewed as not particularly large. Uh, the current Bay Area inflation rate is about 4%, and it's okay. higher than it was right after the Great Recession of 2009 when the Fed was pumping uh, liquidity into the economy and holding, uh, and basically people's unwillingness to invest and hire kept inflation down. Um, now that inflation's picked up a bit in the Bay Area, having a slightly higher rate of tuition increases is actually probably appropriate. So uh, I would expect inflation to maintain a higher rate in the Bay Area for the next several years, and therefore I'd probably expect to see rates of tuition increase that are maybe a little bit higher than what we saw after 2009, but that are probably not going to be as high as they were back in 2008, 2006. Is there anything you would say to a student, I guess right now on the university campus, if they were to approach you as you manage the budget of the university, what would you say to them if they asked you why is there going to be an increase to tuition or the cost of attendance? Right. Well, I think when you look at the increases in expense budgets that have been authorized by the president and and just last week approved by our board of trustees, you see what the priorities are and the priority is is people and uh, that's investment in our people through an expanded financial aid budget, that's our students, and uh, employee compensation increases for our uh, gardeners, laborers, engineers, our part-time faculty and our full-time faculty. So those two broad categories of expense budget increases um, actually definitely exceed the gross tuition increase. So uh, that's why we're doing this here. There's a tendency sometimes for students, investment in people like that, augmented investment in people is harder to see, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's harder to see that your professor is getting 3% more pay this year than they were last year. Uh, It's harder to see that uh, um, 
person who's socioeconomically disadvantaged got an even more amazing financial aid package than a similarly situated person did the prior year. It's different from buying um, a climbing wall or, a, or a, you know, renovating a swimming pool or something like this. So, so students sometimes ask, you know, why can't I see these tuition increases, their impact more? And the answer is it's because their impact is primarily in people. Is there another way to increase revenue for the university without increasing tuition or the cost of education for students? Right. Uh, there, there are some minor things that, that we are doing as we move from the fiscal 19 budget to the fiscal 20 budget, for example. We're increasing our interest income budget because interest rates have gone up a little bit and that means the university makes a little bit more money off of its, its cash balances. But, but you know, interest rates both go up and down and so that's, that's not exactly reliable for the long term. I think the long game at USF uh, is going to be controlled by how well we do with uh, fundraising activity, development activities over the next 10 or 20 years. That, that's why one of the president's highest priorities is the success of the current $300 million capital campaign. Uh, that capital campaign promises to deliver uh, endowed and current use funds that will um, mostly go to scholarship but also go to support facilities renovations and to support enhancements to or new academic programs. And if, if you look at schools that are financially stronger than USF, one, one thing that characterizes them is they have a larger endowment and greater endowed resources. So, so that's a way to effectively get another party in play, i.e. The, the money of our alumni and stewards and donors, folks that care about the university, to help uh, relieve pressure on the operating budget, particularly on the, the financial aid budget. So I guess you're talking about the capital campaign. Can you explain to our listeners what that is? Yeah, so uh, first of all, the, the guy who's the, the head of the, the uh, operation there is Peter Wilsch, our vice mm -hmm. president for development, who's doing fantastic work. Uh, a capital campaign is an extended period of time in which a university sets out to raise uh, monies. Uh, sometimes it's, it's corporation and foundation monies, but, but it's just generally you're looking for current use gifts, gifts that can be expended immediately as well as endowed gifts that will exist in perpetuity and throw off an income stream that will support some activity at the university. Uh, very typically universities move from one capital campaign uh, to the next. They often begin with kind of a quiet phase uh, or a nucleus phase and then a quiet phase and then a very mm -hmm. public phase where you're rallying all of your, your um, stakeholders to kind of meet the targets. And the, the goal is to substantially and uh, materially and importantly increase the envelope of resources that the university has for important things like student financial aid or renovation of our facilities. A lot of students that we've talked to already, or I guess I've talked to for research for this podcast episode and for the story I'm writing about the student response to the tuition increase and also the subsequent increase to the cost of attendance. Yep. A lot of students were worried about the enrollment numbers here at the university with the number of international students enrolling here going down. Is that a problem that factored in to this tuition increase? What people need to understand is we're, we're pretty challenged on almost every front along which we operate at this point. The environment for recruiting transfer students in this state is incredibly competitive and we mm -hmm. have um, agents in the state like the University of California system that are committed to becoming even more competitive. Uh, the international recruitment scene has gone from being um, a kind of small-scale operation that we were some of the first 
players in on the West Coast to being highly competitive and highly sophisticated with institutions uh, opening recruitment offices in places like China and India, institutions from all over the world doing this. So that's become highly competitive too. And then you, you can't fully dismiss the impact of the uh, policies and rhetoric of the Trump administration, which have made international students, I think, a little bit more nervous about studying here in the United States. And even though San Francisco is a warm and wel welcoming and incredible city to live in, uh, I think at the margins, there are now international students contemplating locations like Australia and Canada mm -hmm. and Singapore for their, for their education now, more so than there were five or 10 years ago. So earlier you mentioned the Operating Budget Advisory Council, which is a newly proposed committee here on campus to deal with the budget. We re the Foghorn reported on this on the March 7th issue. You're quoted as saying that there are numerous questions regarding the resource allocation decisions here at USF. Could you further explain what you meant by that? I think the university's administration feels like this uh, University Operating Budget Advisory Council coming out of off of the WASC reaccreditation and the Majus project would be a good way to strengthen communication and transparency and uh, shared governance over the university's operating budget. So that, that's kind of the motivation there. And, and as part of understanding that budget and how it comes to be, uh, one would learn more about how resource uh, allocation decisions are made at USF. So going back to the council, or the, on, the operated, on the operating budget advisory council, are students going to be on this council? So in, in the initial draft that I'll take the blame for this. I put together because I was just trying to get the conversation mm -hmm. rolling around this. I did not include uh, student representatives. We're getting some feedback that uh, suggests uh, that that might be a good idea. And I had a meeting with my boss, the, the provost today, who and we talked about this at length. I'm, I'm not opposed to the idea. One of the concerns I have is I don't want to make the group so big that it becomes unwieldy and, and ineffectual. Mm -hmm. It's understandable. So, yeah, so I, I think there will probably end up being some opportunities for appointed students perhaps the presidents from um, the Graduate Student Senate and ASUSF to be on that group and, and to weigh in on these deliberations and discussions. Though that's to be, to be determined by, by the cabinet, I would say. I know you were there during the Board of Trustees meeting mm -hmm. on Friday when the protest was happening. Could you say how the Board of Trustees received the protest? Uh, I think the Board of Trustees uh, had been apprised of the protest. Uh, I think that in some cases they... Uh, spoke with students outside, and mm -hmm. uh, they'd been given some guidance and talking points from the university's administration about how to engage with and interact with mm -hmm. students. But, but frankly, uh, when the board gets together for a meeting like that, it has a number of kind of must-do business items that it has to tackle, mm -hmm. and, uh, one of which was, by the way, the approval of the university's fiscal 20 operating budget. And so in, in some respects, at least, it was business as usual for the board, and uh, it, it moved through its business agenda pretty, um, pretty efficiently. What happens from now in terms of the budget and the tuition increase? Well, the provost and our vice provost for student life, Julie Orio, uh, and I are meeting tomorrow with a group of students uh, uh, connected with Don's Prepare Tuition. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to let that conversation meander where it may and see what the follow-ups are likely to be. I have to tell you from, from a logistical and planning point of view, it would be very difficult to quote-unquote roll back the tuition mm -hmm. increase because that's baked in the budget be, as you explained throughout this episode and it has implications for, for things we report to the federal government and mm -hmm. for the financial aid award letters that we've already extended out to incoming first-year students uh, it would you know for, for example greatly expand 
the size of the current savings target that the university is trying to achieve. It's $11.5 million savings goal. That would have to become much larger, and we would have to do more um, reallocative work around the university. And so, so that's probably, frankly, not going to happen. That, that's not realistic. Uh, but I'm happy to talk about ways that we can work on transparency and uh, governance and communication in the future. But, but it's very likely that tuition increases, which have been a fact of life in American higher ed, uh, for many years are going to be continuing on a forward-going basis, and they're probably going to be somewhere around the Bay Area CPI rate, uh, the, the inflation rate, for, uh, over the next few years. Well, Jeff, thanks for your time. We realize that you're really busy with your schedule, and thanks for fitting this interview in. And this concludes this week's FogPod episode. This has been Ethan, your copy editor and news writer for the Foghorn. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, Ethan.